I would uh, like for us to read some scripture out loud together this morning uh, as we look into God's word today. So they'll come up on the screens, and if you would join me in reading these aloud. First from Proverbs 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your words were found and I ate them and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And so, Father, I pray now that through your Holy Spirit, you would cause your holy word to be what it is to us, bread, milk, and meat, and honey, and a hammer, and a fire. And I pray you would ignite us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you can have a seat. Well, somewhere along the line in my life, a truth got embedded down deep in my heart. Maybe it was impressed upon me when I was a, a kid and I attended Awana Club at my church. And by the way, our own Awana Club here is getting ready to kick off very soon. It was there that I learned that we should memorize God's Word and every week I would go to an Awana leader and recite Scripture back to the, to the leader. Maybe it was then. Or maybe it was one of those times when as a teenager, I would get up in the middle of the night and head to the restroom, and I would see my mother sitting on our sofa in our living room, Bible open on her knees, reading her Bible and praying. Or maybe it was my second year of college when God had gotten a hold of my life, and every night at midnight, I would gather with six or seven other guys in the dormitory bathroom, and we would study the Bible together. I'm not exactly sure when it happened, but I know that it did happen. A conviction got formed in my heart, and it's this. I need to spend time in God's Word every day. Steve Benninger talking now. I need to spend time in the Word of God every day. You know, the Bible often describes itself as food, and of course, we eat food every day. So it just made sense to me that if my body needed the daily nourishment of food, maybe my spirit needed daily nourishment as well. 
soul food. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, in this series, we're exploring what it means for God's people to become rooted and grounded, right? Rooted, like a strong and healthy tree that is flourishing year in and year out, that has sunk its roots down deep into the soil and is drawing nourishment up. Grounded, like a house built on solid rock that is standing firm no matter what storms blow in. These are people who can stand strong because they go deep. These are people with depth, deep people. And last weekend, we considered what it might look like to be rooted and grounded in God's unconditional love for us. Remember that? From Ephesians chapter 3. But this week, I want us to see the strength that comes from being rooted and grounded in God's word, which, of course, is where we learn about God's love for us. And to me, as I thought about this and was preparing for this sermon, it it occurred to me that if ever there was a time to be rooted and grounded as a person, it's now. We live in treacherous, perilous times. When I think about what's going on on the global scene, things feel very precarious to me, very unsteady. Fragile economies teeter on the brink of collapse. Who knows when some unstable, erratic, two-bit dictator is going to wake up on the wrong side of the bed somewhere and decide he's going to push a button or pull a trigger. We just don't know. We're increasingly vulnerable to all kinds of different kinds of attacks, cyber attacks and so forth. And, of course, terrorists are inventing new ways to strike fear into people's hearts seemingly every day. If ever there was a time to be rooted and grounded as a person, it's now. People who've always looked to the United States to keep things stable and safe in the world are now concerned by the unrest they see here in our homeland. To many in the older generations, it seems like the foundations of society are starting to give way, doesn't it? And those old familiar handles that you could always grab onto to steady yourself and regain your balance seem to be gone. All that plus the daily stresses and strains on the family and on marriages and on children and on our finances. And in many ways, to me, it feels like we're in uncharted territory, living in the land of the unfamiliar. And so I'm contending today that to maintain solid footing in times like these, you and I need to be firmly rooted and grounded in the unchanging word of the living God, the Bible. Well, for Christians, believing that there is a God, that he exists, and that he has revealed truth to us in the Bible, that's been a belief that's always been foundational to our faith, Christians down through the centuries. But more than that, the practice of spending time reading the Bible, listening to the Bible, that also has been a staple in the, in the daily lives of Christian believers for many, many centuries. Picked up the Book of Common Prayer this week, centuries old. Here's what it said. Blessed Lord, who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may hear them, read them, mark them, learn from them, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. The great preacher from Centuries past, George Whitfield said this, I began to read the Holy Scriptures upon my knees, laying aside all other books, 
and praying over, if possible, every line and every word. This proved meat and drink to my soul. <laughs> Glad you're in here. <laughs> and your car is getting a free car wash. <laughs> you know, I've had a number of mentors through the years, people who have poured into my life and invested in me, and I'm very grateful for each of them and all of them sought to instill in me a deep love for the Word of God and, and a deep hunger for God's Word. They challenged me to see the Bible not just as this book to set on my dresser or keep on the coffee table in the living room, but as something to read every day so that it came to dominate the way I thought and the way I looked at the world and the way I lived. They explained to me the benefits of becoming a Word-filled Christian person. Benefits to me and to the people around me. If you're not a person who's already convinced, today I'm hoping the Holy Spirit pushes you over the edge <laughs> and that you will commit yourself to cultivating this rhythm of grace in your daily life, reading God's Word. If you haven't pulled out the study guide, I'll get better, I promise, honey. <laughs> Just hang with me. If you haven't pulled the study guide out of your worship folder, go ahead and pull that out now so you can follow along with me. I'm going to challenge you with six reasons why I believe all of us, all of us, need to be grounded more deeply in God's Word. Number one, the Bible contains the enduring truth of God, not just the fickle opinions of man. Jesus said, if you continue in my Word, then you will know the truth. He looked at his Father in prayer and said, Thy Word is truth. And everybody's got a choice. Everybody walking the planet has to decide for themselves who they're going to look to for answers to life's biggest questions, where they're going to go to find solid truth to build their lives on. Some people you talk to, you get the impression that they're listening to the experts, the experts, right? <laughs> and so they watch Dr. Phil or Susie or Tony or whoever the latest guru is, and they heed their advice. Others take their cues from popular entertainers or politicians who are pontificating about their views on life, and they buy into their philosophies. But you know, there are people who decide that for them, they're going to read the Bible and discover what the creator of the universe has to say. And they're going to build their lives on that. Everybody has a choice. And everybody makes a choice, consciously or subconsciously about that. The question is, what's the best choice? I hope people realize that over... 3,800 times the Bible writers refer to what they wrote as the Word of God. Thus saith the Lord. Over and over and over again. As Martin Luther said, when Scripture speaks, God speaks. And I believe that. I believe that people who want to be wise should build their lives on what an infinitely wise God says rather than what finite human beings think. I mean, just think about it. Who is smarter, God or man? <laughs> God knows everything. God created the earth. He made people. He knows how the universe works. He knows how nature works. He knows how people work. He knows how relationships work. God knows more about money and finances and family life and friendships and resolving conflicts and your work life. He knows more about those things than humans do. Why not build your life on what God says? just seems wise, doesn't it? 
man, let's choose to sink our roots down deep into the Bible because it's truth. Exclamation point there from the Lord himself. (laughs) It's the word of God. Grounded in God's word. Second reason to ground your life more deeply in the word of God is that the Bible will endure forever while other things are going to pass away. You've heard me talk about Voltaire, the French atheist who lived centuries ago who one day stood up and made this audacious statement. Fifty years from now, the world will hear no more of the Bible. Fifty years after his death, the Geneva Bible Society bought his house and his printing press and started printing Bibles from his house. The Word of God is indestructible. As one man said, this anvil has worn out many hammers. The grass grows, the flower fades, but the word of our God will endure forever. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. We all know that fads come and go. The popular gurus of today will, before long, become the forgotten voices of yesteryear. Advice that sounded really good and wise when you were younger now sounds a little bit foolish decades later. Instead of putting a lot of stock in ideas and notions that are short-lived and won't endure, wouldn't it be wiser to build our lives on the timeless, unchanging counsels of the one who created everything and revealed his mind through his word? That's what people do who want to be truly grounded. A third reason to ground your life in the word of God is But the Bible unashamedly presents the full scope of God's truth, not just that which is appealing or palatable. Now, when you read the Bible, there's a lot to like in there, isn't there? There's a lot to like about what the Bible tells us. It states that we humans, for example, are all created in the image of God, our Creator. His image stamped on every single human being, and as a result, we have immense worth and value to God. Innately so. Regardless of gender, race, color, status. And by the way, that value applies to all human lives, born or unborn. The Bible tells us of God's desire that we humans subdue the earth and rule over it, that we work in every city and town for human flourishing. Tells us that God is love and people matter to him and there's a place called heaven. There's a lot to like in the Bible. But you know what? The Bible also reveals the hard stuff. Tells us that our first human ancestors chose to defy God. Said, we don't really want you ruling over our lives. We want to be autonomous and self-determining and independent of you. We want to make up our own rules for living. Reveals that their inclination to sinfully rebel against a holy God has been passed down to all of their descendants down to this present day pulls no punches in stating that by nature and by choice, we are all sinners who fall short of God's perfect standard. Doesn't apologize or dance around the truth that we cannot save ourselves from the power of sin or from the coming judgment of sin. It states unequivocally that we all need a Savior or we will perish. Thankfully, it also tells us of the grace of God and the mercy of God. In a hundred places, it tells us that God has provided a Savior for humanity, His perfect Son, that through placing our faith in Jesus' 
perfect blood sacrifice that atone for all of our sins, we can be forgiven and reconciled to our Creator and brought into His family, His royal family. That's good news. The exceedingly good news that completely overwhelms the bad news of our sin and guilt and rebellion. So what I'm saying is the Bible gives us the full range of truth. The bad news and the good news. The sweet and the bitter. The milk and the meat. And I think we should be glad of that. Finally, someone telling us the truth. You know, Paul wrote that in the end times, people will be inclined to gather many teachers around them to tell them what their itching ears want to hear. And I suspect that he might have been looking down the corridors of time and saw our era, because those kinds of teachers abound in our day who are offering platitudes and pleasantries to people to make them feel better, but not telling them the whole truth. Thankfully, people have the Bible and can go back to the source of truth and see reality as God sees it, which is reality. Oh, how important it is to be immersed in the Word of God. Do you believe that? Fourth reason, the Bible reveals God's plan, not just man's intentions. I mean, think about it. Without the Bible, wouldn't we all be in the dark? I know, you can go on Facebook and and you can look and find out what people are doing, and people are doing all kinds of things. You can read about what business moguls are saying, what political pundits are predicting, what world leaders are trying to bring about. But apart from the scriptures, we would have no idea what he's up to, what the king of kings is all about, what gets him up in the morning, what his intentions and desires and purposes are. How would we know that God has been at work all throughout human history to redeem for himself a special people? a blood-bought royal family to dwell with forever. Would we even know that if we didn't have the Bible? How would anyone know that there will one day be a new heaven and a new earth, a renovated earth, where God's people will live together in love with their precious Lord? How would we know that our ultimate home as believers in Jesus will be heaven, a beautiful, wonderful place, a garden city paradise, unfathomable to us, that's going to take our breath away every day? without Genesis and Revelation and everything in between, we'd be oblivious to all that. All we'd be left with are man's plans and man's intentions to make the world a better place. Over my study break this summer, I read John Piper's book, The Pleasures of God. Um, Deep, (laughs) not shallow. And it hit me, without the Bible, how in the world would we even know what makes God happy? What, what would we know brings a smile to God's face? How would we know that God has great joy in just being God and doing God things? Piper writes this, Very few people think of God as supremely happy in the fellowship of the Trinity and in the work of creation and redemption. The volcanic exuberance of God over the worth of his son and the work of his hands and the welfare of his people is not very well known. If we would meditate on the pleasures of God, our souls would be increasingly satisfied with God and changed gradually into his likeness. But I read that and I thought, well, how would we even know what pleases God if we couldn't read it in the Bible? 
If we, if we couldn't read in the Bible, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In the Bible we find this, it pleased the Lord to make you a people for Himself. He delights in the work of His hands. The Lord takes pleasure in those who hope in His steadfast love. And how about this one? It pleased the Lord, it pleased the Lord to bruise Him, His Son. To save a people for himself. How would we know any of that apart from God's word? We wouldn't. We wouldn't. But the Bible gives us a privilege, a priceless privilege, a glimpse into the very heart of our creator so we can see what brings a smile to his face. Thank God for the Bible. Number five, why ground my life more deeply in God's word? Number five, the Bible offers solid hope, not just wishful thinking. Try this. Go to someone at work or on your campus at school. And, you know, if it's the right time to ask a question like this, say, you know, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven someday? Now, if they don't even believe in an afterlife or heaven, that's another conversation. But if they do, and you, and you ask that question, what you're most likely to hear is some variation of this. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I hope I'm going to get there and, and hopefully, I've been a pretty good person. You know, I haven't raped anybody, I haven't killed anybody, I haven't murdered anybody. I, I hope so. I, I, I think I'm going to get there and God's going to have this set of scales. And he's going to put all my bad deeds over here and he's going to put my good works over here. And I'm just thinking that my good works are going to outweigh my bad works and the scales are going to tip in my favor. At least that's what I'm hoping. You're going to hear some form, usually, of wishful thinking. But in the Bible, we learn that God offers something much more solid than just wishful thinking. hope so. I like how one guy answered that question. He said, well, look, if God doesn't let me into heaven, then he'd be breaking his own word, his own promise. I'm confident I'm going to heaven because his word says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and I've done that. So I'm as good for heaven as if I'd already been there a thousand years because of the word of God. Now that's confidence. That's solid confidence, isn't it? And then a sixth reason. The Bible points us to the one who satisfies our deepest needs and desires, not just our surface wants, Think about it. Maybe ask someone, what do you really want in life? Jesus asked that question. What do you want? And if they're a thoughtful person, they might say things like peace. I want peace. I want freedom. I want stability. I want fulfillment and happiness and joy. I want growth and maturity and progress and significance. Everybody desires those things. Nothing wrong with that. But I wonder how many people have yet to discover that each of those things comes from immersing yourself in the one who reveals himself through the word. You want more joy in your life? Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found and I ate them and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. You want more wisdom? Proverbs 2, 6, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. His words come knowledge and understanding. You want more freedom? Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
You want more strength? More strength, more inner strength? David wrote in Psalm 119, I have stored up your word in my heart. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Say, I want more growth. I, I, I want more maturity in my life. 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, the milk of the word, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. You want to have more faith? Faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. You want to be equipped to make more of a difference in your one and only life? Paul wrote, Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed. It comes from the mouth of God. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, like Olympic athletes training. Trained in the word so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you want more stability in your life? Say, I ride this emotional roller coaster, Pastor Steve. I'm up and down, up and down. Man, I, I wish for sturdiness and steadiness in my life. Jesus said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell. We know what that's about, right? And the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded, grounded on the rock. I know for me, when I'm not in the Word, when Steve Benninger is not in the Word regularly, I start to come unraveled, and it's not pretty. Instead of being even-tempered, I'm easily irritated. Instead of keeping a laser focus on Jesus, I'm all over the lot, going in ten different directions. Instead of persevering through adversity and hard times, I become discouraged and start thinking about how nice it would be to quit. Instead of showing patience with people, the littlest thing can set me off, especially with the people I love most. Last week, I promised you a confession this week. Do you remember that? So, this little incident occurred on our vacation. Now, how many, how many of you have taken vacations and you kind of get out of your routine, right? You kind of get a little lax. And, and I got a little lax on my vacation with Shirley in my time in the Word. No big deal, right? So there's this little incident. We were up in Newport, Rhode Island, beautiful place. And we had planned out these, these uh, activities we were going to do, these fun things we were going to do together. But Newport is very congested. We had a hard time finding a parking space. So finally we found one you know, ways away from where we were going. So, so I left Shirley there in the car, and I, I said, I'll go, I'll walk a few blocks here to the visitor center, and I'll check out the departure times for these things, the ticket prices, and I'll get back with you. So I, I walk over there, and I, I find out those things. And one of the attractions that we wanted to go on, they said, left in 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh, if we can get on that one, we can do both of these things in the same day. So I get my cell phone out, and I call my wife. And it rings and rings and goes to voicemail. <sighs> Call her again. <laughs> goes to voicemail. <laughs> Why do we have cell phones if we're not going to pick up when our family members <laughs> call? I kid you not, I called 12 times. <laughs> and I'm getting steamed because, you know, the clock's ticking, right? We're going to do these two things. So I go marching back over to the car where she is, and I'm like, dear... Why aren't you picking up my calls here? And she's in the back of the car cleaning out the uh, fast food bags and stuff, trying to use her time wisely. And she said, oh, my cell phone's in the front. I'd put it on silent in church on Sunday like they ask us to do, and I, I left it on silent. 
And I just, I lost it. I did. I said, well, all right, since my plan got torpedoed, why don't I drop you off over there and see what you can figure out while I go try to cool off a little bit. So I'm driving around in the car. I'm all upset and uptight, and my cell phone rings. (laughs) And so I, your godly, mature, gospel-centered pastor, what do you think I did? I'm like, I'll give her some of her own medicine here, see how she feels. (laughs) I let it go to voicemail. She calls again. I let it go to voicemail. I am not proud of that day at all. It was ugly. The moral of the story is, for me, when I'm not in the Word, I'm a mess. It was so interesting. Um, One of the things we want to do, we got on, it was called the ice cream train. And we're, you know, she's in tears because I've kind of bawled her out and I'm all, we're just not doing good. And the only seats that are left are next to these two gals with a little baby. That's the only seats left. So we get ushered in and seated next to them and said, hey, are you, are you all uh, sisters or friends? And they say, well, no, we're wives. Now, any inclination I might have had to be like judgmental towards them dissolved immediately as I realized I got my own issues, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? God is so merciful. I mean, actually, it turned... He had mercy on us. We had a great conversation with these gals. We we got spiritual. We talked about Jesus. Thank God that he uses us in our weakness, in our sin, in our shame. You know, I just realized I can't be judgmental of anybody. There's all kinds of sinners. You know, there's all kinds of sinners. And I am one. When I'm not in the word, I'm not a blessing, I'm no fun to be around, I'm cranky, irritable, easily frustrated, I'm off-center, and it shows, and my witness for Jesus is really impaired. I'm the opposite of being grounded. And so I was chastened to be reminded, I, Steve Benninger, need to be in the Word every day, every day, even on vacation, I need to be in the Word. The mentors I've had in my life have all sought to point me back to the Word back to the word, back to being grounded in the word every day. They've instilled in me thoughts like this. Steve, when you've been knocked off kilter, recenter yourself by getting in the word. When you're weary and fatigued and you feel vulnerable to temptation, get in the word. When you've given in to weakness, when you've sinned, repent, claim the blood of Jesus Christ and get back in the word. When you've allowed joy robbers to come in and steal your joy, get back in the word. When life gets hard and you're losing heart, get in the word. When people are coming against you, get in the word. When people let you down, get in the word. When you're disappointed in yourself, get back in the word. When you feel shaky and uncertain about life, get in the word. When you just need more of Jesus, get in the word. When you know you need to go deeper in your walk with Jesus, go deeper into the word. That's where Jesus is found in the Word. And so with what those mentors have poured into me, I I think I've become a Word guy. I know where I need to go for the things I really need. And so I implore you today, read the Bible. Read the Bible. 
listen to the Bible. There's a great app called the Daily Audio Bible. Just download the app. This guy with his great voice reads the scriptures to you in the morning, if you like, 15, 20 minutes. Daily Audio Bible. The weightiness of this book demands that it be read. It has what you need. Maybe you're here today and you're a hardened skeptic. Somebody drug you here or you came as a favor or something. Read the Bible, please. You don't want to get this one wrong. Don't gamble your eternity away by dismissing the Bible as some sort of fairy tale or book of myths. Read the Bible. If you're someone here today who's on a quest to find the truth, Build your life on, I can give you no better counsel than read the Bible. Start in the book of Mark in the New Testament or start in the book of John in the New Testament. Learn about Jesus. The Bible is Jesus' story. It's all about him. As Martin Luther said, listen, Scripture is the manger. Scripture is the manger in which the Christ lies. As a mother goes to the cradle to find her baby, so the Christian goes to the Bible to find Jesus. Don't inspect the cradle and forget to worship the baby. If you're a new new believer, I encourage you, read the Bible. If you're a seasoned veteran, you've been walking with Jesus for 50 years, I don't think you ever outgrow the need to be in the Word of God. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, as a pastor, one of my dreams is that everyone would be in the Word every day. Pipe dream? Maybe, I don't know. But a pastor's allowed to dream and pray, right? I mean, what kind of church would this be? What kind of internal fortitude and strength would we have if everyone was in God's word every day? Pastor's dream come true. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this, The deceit, the lie of the devil, consists in this, that he wishes to make man believe that he can live without God's word. Patrick Henry said this, the Bible is worth all other books which have ever been printed. John Bunyan wrote this, this great book, the Bible, this most precious volume is the heart of God made legible. Pray and read, read and pray, pray and read, for a little from God is better than a great deal from men. And John Wesley said, oh, give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. I have it. Here is knowledge enough for me. Let me be a man of one book. A man of one book. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a modern version of the scriptures. I want you to have one. I want to give you one. I got several right up here on the front row. You can come up afterwards and just take one with your promise that you'll read it. Read the Bible. It's our gift to you. In our bookstore, we have what we call a New Life Journal, and it has Bible reading plans. I think about a dozen Bible reading plans, some very simple and short, others longer and more detailed. Check that out in the New Life Journal. If you're hearing this today and you're feeling convicted that you haven't been giving God's Word its rightful place in your heart and priority in your life, I'm calling you today to repent of that. Say, Lord, I I am so sorry for neglecting your holy word I call you to renew your desire to grow in the knowledge of the truth and I would encourage you get with somebody get with a a spiritual partner or a mentor or someone in your small group or a friend and just share that with them say you know I I want to go deeper in the word of God can you help me maybe they've been where you are maybe they could help 
And I would say this, if you've never given your whole life to Jesus Christ, I hope you will today. You can come in a few moments and pray with one of our prayer partners. They would love to guide you into that solid assurance of knowing where you stand with God and where you're going when you die. Please don't put that off. Well, as for me, I'll finish with this. I'm not ashamed to say that that little children's song that I learned way back in Sunday school growing up pretty much sums up my view. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. The Bible. You bow your heads with me. Our prayer partners are coming and they're available to pray with you about whatever the Lord is talking to you about today. Or maybe you've just been troubled this week and you would benefit from someone praying over you. Please take advantage of that opportunity. Lord, I thank you so much for your word, your holy word. Thank you, Lord, for not leaving us adrift in this complicated world without a compass to tell us where true north is. Thank you so much for nourishing our souls with the milk and meat and honey and bread of the word of God. Thank you that it's a hammer chipping away at us so that we become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And thank you that it's a fire. Refine us, O Lord, purify us through the word and ignite us. Lord, help this church to sink its roots down deep into the living and abiding word of truth. We love you in Christ's name. Amen.